KZSU Stanford. This is the Henry George Program. I'm Mark Molino. This is a show dealing with the housing here in the Bay Area and beyond economics and fairness. Today we are talking about the issue of uh, people parking on the side of the roads and living there with someone who did that. Without further ado, let's just get into things. Yeah, today on the program, we have Chris P. Chris P. has been here at KCSU for the last uh, two-plus years. Uh, yeah, somewhere around there. You, you've, been in the, you've been in the radio business around the Bay Area for... Uh, you're, before here, you're at KFJC, and you work in radio around here. Uh, yes, I uh, famously flamed out at KFJC <laughs> uh, with my uh, intense uh, ideas and personality. Uh, uh, yeah, so, uh, but here at uh, KZSU has... Seems to have found a fit here at KZSU. Has found, found, a, found a fit. Uh, yeah, so we were talking a few, uh, just a couple weeks ago here on the station, and uh, we, I was just mentioning, usually you had to go, uh, you had to bike back to East Palo Alto, and I was kind of saying, oh, like a year ago, uh, we were doing an overnight show, all of us. Uh, I should mention, by the way, yeah. I'm joined today <laughs> by Darlene Franklin of KZSU News. Hello. Hi. Yeah, we had a good a good talk, a good discussion. Yeah, was, a lot of questions, a lot of thoughts, yeah. Yeah, so we about were, housing. Exactly. So yeah, we're kind of doing housing in general, but we were talking about you're going back to East Palo Alto when we did an overnight show a year ago. I said, "Oh, were you still living it there a year ago?" I I thought I remember you living somewhere else and you uh you uh said, "No, I wasn't there." And actually uh you uh Said so. You said I. You. I don't think I've shared where I was at that time. And then you said that at that time you were living in an RV. When did you first start uh, living in the RV, and what brought you and your your dad uh, to to that? Well, I, I want to be clear that it's it wasn't just living in an RV. It was living in an RV on the side of the road. Uh, it was not uh, in an RV park or a trailer park. We would have chosen to go that path. Um, First, I guess I'll, I'll guess I'll outline why why we were in the RV in the first place. Um, we were going through my father's going through a divorce, uh, particularly nasty divorce, uh, which uh, basically made it so we could not afford to uh, live in an apartment, find find more standard housing that way. Um, you know, the the Bay Area is just so expensive. It's uh, just prohibitively expensive for many reasons. Um, Have you always been around the Bay Area? Or you come from elsewhere. I uh, yeah, I grew up. I grew up here in in uh, Cupertino, Sunnyvale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, because we were going through that situation, I could not. Uh, even our combined incomes, it wasn't really sustainable to uh, try to live in a normal housing situation. Uh, luckily, we had this RV. It's an RV that we had had for about about 20 years uh you know we originally bought it when we were living in a house and it was a thing to go on vacation with you know it it wasn't something to live in for months and months at a time um but uh it it became that for us yeah uh, did you, so in the in the past, where, where did you where do you uh, take this? Do you take it Yosemite, other places? Oh or? yeah, we've we've been to we've taken the RV to uh Yosemite, we've been to Colorado, we've basically been throughout the western united states colorado is probably the farthest east we've been so uh, yeah i guess to give an idea like how 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 big is the rv if you uh it's a uh 30 it's technically a 32 foot it's almost 33 feet uh class a uh what that means is there are three classes of rv um there is class a class b and class c uh class it's kind of confusing the class a is the biggest one Class C is in the middle, mm-hmm. and Class B is the smallest one. Whoa! Yeah, it, it's a bit confusing. The Class B is basically—have you seen like those, those like, you know, those like Dodge, like airport shuttle vans? They're about that size, but they have curtains and stuff in them, you know, and they'll basically be a little, tiny little RV. So that's um, a B Class B. That's a Class B. Mm-hmm. A Class C is the one that you see with. Uh, it looks like a big square RV from the back, and then it has like a truck cab, mm-hmm. and it has that cab over that's usually like a mattress up there. Do you, yeah, do you know what I'm talking the about? Yeah, over the bed of the truck, basically. Yeah, it goes over the cab of the truck. Oh, cab of it. Okay. Um, that's a Class C. 
So, so, so. so I, I guess when okay, so at a certain point, the uh, it was it was you couldn't get an apartment. You said okay, let's let's try the RV. Did you? How do you d- decide where the best place to go is? Did you find? Did you already locate? Here's a bunch of people that have a permanent RV presence, and let's join them. Or how'd that work out? Well, that was a bit of a, a, a fact finding. Uh, mission to to find a spot that uh was both comfortable and would, and would allow us to be there um you know kind of a guess and check type situation you would spend a night here you know you'd spend a week here see what happens uh so what had originally happened was not only were my parents going through divorce but uh, there was a big fight and basically me and my father elected to uh not stay in the house anymore and so the first thing we did is we tried to grab as much of our stuff as possible, and we ran to the uh, storage area where we keep our RV, took the RV out that night, and then we end up being in that RV for 18 months Wow, on the side of the road. So, yeah, the first night we just just took the RV out to, you know, the storage area that stored RVs. It was in a little business park area, and we just took the RV out to an empty part of the street and then parked there for a week. When you say you had to see if it wasn't working out, uh, do you have any, like, what would not work out? Would this be when you'd be, uh, someone would intercede and say, get off this road, or how would that work? Yeah, so the first the first place we went, uh, it was this business park not far from the storage area, and uh, every morning at about 5 a.m. when the employees, uh, at least some of the employees for some of the businesses in the area, would drive past the RV, they would start honking really loudly, um, which... And that'd be what time in the morning? At about, at about five, five thirty in the morning, yeah. somewhere around there. And that was fine because we actually had to get up really early because <laughs> uh, that was down in Milpitas, and we both work That's... out in in here at Stanford and and Mountain View. So we had to get up early to beat the traffic anyway. So you know, we we would joke that oh, jokes on them. They're just they're our alarm <laughs> clock. But uh, but you know, there was obviously a hostility there, yeah. and uh, we end up moving from that location within about a week. We stopped parking there. It sounds very disruptive too, like just an instability and uncertainty day to day, and to ma- maneuver around yeah the logistics of it. I mean, and to compare it to the fact that you're now living in East Palo Alto, what do you immediately appreciate over having a place that isn't, you know, a vehicle and actually an apartment? What, what do you come to, <laughs> I guess, surprise you how much you missed uh, having an actual place? Well, um, I guess one of the ways to approach that question would be to explain what was the worst part about living in the RV. Um, the worst part about living in the RV, and there's there's numerous inconveniences that that we'll talk about um but one was that it was an an rv to to give a little comparison it was both bigger and nicer than most of the other rvs or people living in their cars you know in that you'll see on the street there'll be older rvs they'll be in worse condition people will be living in cars you know the you'll see tarps everywhere do people living in cars have the same chance, or are they particularly likely to be uh, asked to be off the road? Or is like any vehicle is about the same difference? I, um, I, w- I wouldn't know uh, really how to answer that question. I yeah. would just say that in the area that we end up settling, everybody was pretty much treated the same way by the police. Um, they, basically, they basically allowed us to be there, uh, more or less, um, as long as we were, you know... M- more tidy uh some some of the messier some of the messier people uh would get kicked out eventually was that being explicit would they actually go up to you and say hey here are the coming ground rules or was this just all between the lines it was all between the lines it was all everything was a gray area um you know and i i have to say i appreciate that the city of mountain view um is somewhat lenient to street living Although that has appeared to have changed in recent months. I, um, I I mean, I've heard about it. There's been articles about it. But yeah. the fact is I've driven past where we parked, and there are more RVs there than than the last time we were actually living there. So, okay. So, you know, it's it's just when the news decides to pick up the story that maybe, you hear about it. Maybe so. you create a news story to please all the residents who are upset, and then they... They feel like something's being done. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so the the worst part was, so even though we had a nicer RV compared to most of the living conditions for these people living on the side of the street, 
Um, one of the worst parts is absolutely climate control. Um, the RV gets hot. The RV gets cold. Uh, when it rains, the RV gets moist. And that's a problem, you know, because you get mold. Um, your, you know, things don't dry out. So you have wet towels, you know. Um, I'm a comic book collector. It's one of the reasons why I'm poor. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it, you know, so that's that's not good for comics. You had your um, entire collection yeah, is with you? I had... Uh, so so while we were doing this, we also kept a storage, uh, hmm. I don't know what the, like a public storage unit. Unit, yeah. yeah. So uh, I had I had some of my comics in oh, the okay. RV, but, but most of my comics, well, actually most of my comics were still in the house that we had left. So they were, I was just hoping that whenever we got a chance to get back in the house that they would, that my stuff would still be there. But yeah, yeah. So, so uh, yeah, you say like towels. Would, would you have a shower inside the RV? Yeah. So, so most RVs, um, almost all RVs are going to have bathroom facilities. Um, now, they're usually not very nice. Um, it depends on the RV. Uh, the fancier or more expensive the RV, the nicer the bathroom facilities are going to be. But, uh, uh, yeah, we, we did have a shower and we did have a, did have a toilet. Yeah, so I guess just to say, yeah, you have you have electricity and that runs and is that like limiting factor or is it always like try to be make sure you don't drain too much of the I don't, I don't even know is it a generator or is it a battery is well, what's going on Yeah, so uh, an RV can generate electricity. It has something called a generator. It's basically a motor that's uh, solely used to produce electricity, um, and it runs off of gas like uh, most other motors. So you know you. You don't want to run it for too long. That's strenuous on the generator. Um, you don't want to run it too long for a number of reasons. Uh, one is the stress on the engine. Uh, two is you're creating, you know, you're creating fumes. You're creating smoke, um, which, you know, me and my father, we tried to take an approach to the way we lived in this RV to be as uh, uh, less invasive. Uh, you know, we didn't want to make and impact on the on the people that because we were parked on the side of the road one side was a was a wall and a freeway and then on the other side was a large apartment complex and so we just you know we wanted to be we didn't want to make noise uh the generator makes noise it makes like i said it makes fumes um and so with this approach we would only turn the generator on when we really needed to like when we when we needed to microwave something uh, when we absolutely needed to charge our devices, so, so you yeah. try to like you know basically bunch all the stuff you needed to do into generator time, get it all done, and then basically shut it back off, go in low power, and I guess do lights run just off a of battery? Is that uh, lights? Yeah. So so RVs usually have a pretty large capacity of batteries, uh, and one of the first things we did was we re- we replaced all the bulbs inside with LED bulbs, uh, which obviously. You know, was a fraction of the energy of the old fluorescent bulbs that were in there, and so you know we we could leave. You know, we we would have basically one or two lights on at a time, if any. Um, you know, one for my dad and whatever he was doing, and 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 he had the bedroom. Yeah, I slept on the floor, um, in so, in the front. So this fully enclosed room, bedroom. Yeah, basically it was yeah. it was a bedroom. You know, I mean it's not big. The 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 queen size bed is. You know, eighty-five percent of the floor space. Wow! At least you yeah. know back there, you have just a little bit of room on both sides of the bed, and then a sliding door, uh, and then you have you know you have storage compartments overhead and stuff. So it's not like you can be standing up and jumping on a bed or anything, you know. But it's the nicest part of the RV. And you you didn't have a space heater, right? Or like you couldn't run it all night, right? No, 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 no. There's, yeah, yeah. We we wouldn't do that. We would not run the probably the longest times we ran a generator would maybe be for about three or four hours and that would be basically to run the electricity and run the tv when like uh, uh for instance on sundays you yeah. would want to watch football yeah uh we we had luckily we had the luxury of doing that um yeah. you know we had over the air tv so we could get whatever the local stations were playing um so shout out heroes and icons channel Heroes and Icons playing five hours of Star Trek every night. Um, shout out to them. But, uh, you know, so if it was hot, uh, you know, we had to. So, we would, yeah, we would turn the generator on for like three hours, watch a football game, turn the AC on because it was really hot. 
Um, and then we would turn it off, and then we'd be without AC for a while. And and I guess you know, for overnight, do you like just have to find better in, like better blankets? Better? Or did you have good blankets? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, um, I I uh, I mostly. Uh, f- you know, for we would basically open a lot of windows at night just to keep it, try to keep it ventilated, except when it was really cold or raining. Oh, how did you adjust to all the details that, like, what put came up that you would, what else came up? Uh, well, let's see, other, other little aspects of living in an RV semi permanently. Um, you have to, let's see, uh, I guess you know. Back to your your question a few minutes ago about uh, what do I miss, uh, or what did I miss about having a, an act? Yeah, a yeah. roof, a, a house that doesn't move. Yeah. Um, the uh, the toilet situation. Yeah. Uh, in an RV, you have what's called a black tank, and the black tank is basically your sewer tank. Um, you everything from. The toilet goes in a black tank. Everything else goes in the gray tank. So your shower water, your sink water goes in the gray tank. Uh, And both those tanks have to be emptied periodically. Uh, You really don't want to have them get absolutely full. They can back up, uh, which means, you know, they'll overflow back into the bathtub, back up through the toilet, Mm -hmm. back up through the sink. And, you know, that's uh, that's bad news. Even if the gray tank uh, fills up and you think, oh, the gray tank's that's just fine. It's just sink water and bath water. Well, it smells too. So, yeah, um, you know, so we just developed a we figured out that we uh, could stretch it to every two weeks. We would move the RV. We would drive it down to um, Morgan Hill where there's an RV park where uh, they had a dump station that was affordable. Um, there is a closer dump station in Redwood City, but it's uh, like three times more expensive. How much does it cost? Uh, I don't know exactly. Um, I think it was something like $35. Uh, it was $12 down in Morgan Hill. Plus, it was it was good we to drive the RV uh, a relatively long distance. It, uh, you know, uh, short distances can be rougher on... Uh, engines, ah. so, um, so it was good to stretch the legs. I mean, that's uh, per that, se. That's something that's like actually you know worse than you know a, a, like campsite. You're at like a place that usually has a public restroom, and mm-hmm. I guess yeah, it's not like you find any of that on on on, on you know, normal streets that you'd be able to park on. Yeah, you know, if we were at an RV park, most RV parks have uh, have um, dump, uh, dump capability at the site. So you don't actually have to move the RV. You just hook up the pipes from your black tank and gray tank to the hole. Um, or, you know, and like you said, a a lot of trailer parks and RV parks actually have bathroom facilities or laundry facilities. Um, you know, so yeah, every two weeks we had to take it down to Morgan Hill. We had to dump it. We, we filled it up with fresh water. We would gas it up, um, and then drive it back. And is that the only time your RV would move? Usually, is uh, every two weeks to go to this place? Or? Yeah, yeah, that w- that would really be the only time. Uh, well, there were so so technically, uh, you're only allowed to park a vehicle on the side of the road without moving it for seventy two hours at a time. Okay, so three days. Yeah, um, and every now and then the cops would decide to come around and mark everybody's tires. Now mm-hmm. it wasn't a consistent. They you'd think they'd be there every three days, right? And and really hassle everybody, but it, that wasn't the case. That would that would be the case. Um, they would come and mark the tires when it was time for street cleaning, mm. to try to get everybody to move so the street cleaner can actually do their job. Uh, or if there were some messy, you know, I guess I'll call them road tenants. Yeah, um, they would mark up their tires to try to, you know, encourage them to leave. Would they come back if it was a time and say like, get out of here, or they actually like give tickets and just try to make it? Yeah, they gave tickets. They they gave tickets. Uh, we did get one ticket once. I mean, tickets aren't cheap. Yeah, it was it was uh it was it was somewhere between sixty and eighty dollars. So it wasn't the end of the world. I mean, compared to uh, parking the RV in uh in an RV park, it's you know compared to rent. It's yeah, not- compared to rent, it's yeah. you know we're like yeah we'll we'll pay eighty bucks every six months. That's fine. How much yeah. is it at RV parks to get if you get a spot if if, you, if there is a spot? Uh, the RV park that we were looking at down in Morgan Hill um, was I think it was two thousand dollars a month. 
Oh, wow. Just to park an RV. Yeah. And then you had to pay for electricity. You know, not all that was included. Wow. So. so And there aren't that many parks, too. No. So, that, so that's one of the issues here in the Bay Area, in addition to a housing crisis, mm-hmm. in a, you know, full-price housing crisis, uh, low-income housing, uh, there's also a dearth of RV and trailer parks. Yeah. So uh, even if you wanted to live in an RV, decided that was the lifestyle you wanted, it's very difficult to do that in the Bay Area, very limited availability of spots. Yeah. Did you, when you left and you went to Morgan Hill, when you returned, usually was your, your spot that you had, was that taken by then? Or? So luckily, one, one of the other luxuries that we had um, was that we had two cars in addition to the RV. So we would position the car strategically to save our spot. So uh, we would have the space when we got back. So when you, when you leave for the day, do you worry about security, or how, or was that just how, how did that work? Was was the place basically were there eyeballs on all the RVs? It'd be unlikely that people would touch them during the day, or would you worry about that? Uh, there was totally a concern about security. Yeah. Um, luckily, I have a dog. Um, and one of the many reasons why you see uh, vagrant people with dogs, uh, there's multiple reasons why. Uh, but I think the primary reason is security. Uh, you know, the dog is going to respond to exterior uh, noises and people faster than you are. Um, so, you know, we didn't get the dog specifically for that purpose. I had the, do- I had the dog for years in the house before we had to live in the RV, but um, luckily she was able to adjust to living inside uh, a cage inside an RV for, mm-hmm. you know, for like six, seven hours at, at a time. And, you yeah. know, I that poor dog, you know, she's, uh, I love her to bits. <laughs> uh, you, you've um, taken her to the station, right? I've, yeah, I've yeah seen you've her. seen her. Yeah, she's a complete sweetheart. Yeah, I, remind <laughs> Don't tell people like... that because she's our security <laughs> dog, so... <laughs> Remember what she looks like? I'm just trying to get the middle of it. She's uh, she's a little. She's about thirty pounds. She's that uh, deep, a dark red and white. Yeah. Uh, she likes to flop over and get yeah. belly rubs. Yeah, it's all coming back. It's yeah, she's back. vicious. I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> but but she'll she'll bark inside if 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 she was. Inside. Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. She would yeah. totally bark. She has a mean loud bark. So luckily nice. luckily she has a loud bark. Uh, and we had a sign up. You know we had the a very mean looking dog that said beware of dog. Um, you know, so she was basically our security system, and you had to make sure you locked everything up before you left. And honestly, to one of the hardest parts about living in an RV was knowing that I had to put my dog. I didn't have ideal living conditions for my dog, and you know, it kind of maybe a little bit what a parent feels like. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so, so I guess to, to scale back a bit of of, I guess when you first started doing this, I guess you could have there was. Do you consider the option of okay, maybe we leave the Bay Area and then we you know commute you know hours and hours, or we break off our entire lives? Uh, were those things you considered, or you know that like really severing either connections to the Bay Area one or two, doing the kind of incredibly long commute and getting cheaper rents was that an option that you considered? Um. I don't know that we considered it that much because uh, one of the one of the many reasons why we wanted to stay close was, uh, you know, my father's going through divorce proceedings, so he had to go to court. Well, um, you know, how often would that be? Usually, every couple months like for a while. It was there were a lot of, I mean, you know, I, I this is a different issue, but uh, my mother insists on making the divorce as complicated as possible. So there are lots and lots mm. of court hearings. You know, so if we live far away. Yeah. You know, I just you that know, Santa Clara courthouse you had to get to, or yeah, yeah. yeah. So and you both had your jobs here. Yeah, so. and we we both had. I mean, I I was actually unemployed for a little bit. I started working at Costco while we were in the RV. My dad had his job throughout the entire thing. Still has his job, and I was unemployed for a few months, and then I got my job in San Francisco. So. Yeah, I guess I mean if you just consider like for the rent you're paying now, because I guess you were you on a waiting list. How to work out with these Palo Alto? Um, 
So we were on a waiting list for this RV park in Morgan Hill for six months before we got a call. So this is how bad is is that the RV park? The charge the charge is two thousand. Yeah, yeah. So there is wow. a waiting list that's at least six months long. Wow. Because that's um, a question I have. Because usually, if you're trying to ration stuff, you either ration it by you know making it expensive, or you ration it with a long line. Or sometimes both. Uh, well, they have the best of both worlds right now in the Bay Area. They can yeah. they can charge a lot of money for their RV park and and have ready and willing customers to step in at any moment. So wow, it sounds like they could charge more even and get away with it if there's six months lines. That's nuts. Yeah, I don't know. Tell me. Yeah, but uh, the place in uh, East Palo Alto, how, how that? I mean, I guess was that uh, a bit of luck, or was that knowing the right people, or how? Like, I how how quickly did things turn around where you went from the RV back into a you know roof over your head? Um, I'm trying to remember exactly what happened. Um, oh, so my father was on a wait list for some Stanford-owned apartments, um, which uh, they're they're over on um, not not Page Mill, Sand Hill, and um, they are very nice and very expensive. And hard to get into. Uh, the my dad waited for a year on that wait list before he got a call back. And for some reason, my dad was under the impression that they charge below market rate. If they do, it's maybe a couple percent, like maybe one or two percent less than market rate. So, so we there was a bit of sticker shock when we when we mm-hmm. showed up. So it's a year long waiting list for <laughs> fairly dubious. At least, yeah, at least it's a year long waiting mm-hmm. list for the Stanford owned apartments. And here. they, they don't really they can't let you know how much it will be until you're. Until yeah, you're yeah. Um, they they tell you when you get there wow. how much is going to be. Um, so just a few few bits under market rate, and they're able to get yeah, people maybe. to wait on the hook for a year. I wonder if they're really if people are waiting for the percentage, a few percentage off, or, or if they're waiting for the fact they think it's going to be a lot better. Uh. Well, you know, it's very close to campus. Yeah. Um it's also they're also very nice. They're new and renovated and mm-hmm. they have lots of amenities. Uh it's almost a resort, you know. Um but uh yeah, it's just it's just like all the other housing options out here. It's very expensive. So anyway, um we were we were thinking about that. Um uh, I'm trying to remember exactly what happened. I think that at some point there was some money that was released between my parents mm. uh, in the divorce uh, proceedings, and um, my dad and I just decided we didn't want to be living in the RV anymore. Um, so we started looking for places, yeah. and and also like my dad wanted to move out for a long time, and and then he found out how much these Stanford apartments were. So you know he was a bit heartbroken by that, and. So we started looking, and I just went on Craigslist and found this little place in East Palo Alto. Um, just, you know, they they put their phone number on the Craigslist ad, which is a bit unusual. Mm-hmm. Called the number, got a call back the same night, and what? then uh, within a couple of weeks, we were moving in. Wow. wow. That there was a spot available, too. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I mean, you know, let's let's be honest here. Uh, I think the landlord was happy to see two employed uh, white people coming in to move into their place. Um, what What did you see, like, as for impressions from when you were searching, um, looking for housing, and others who might have been too? Well, one of the things that's uh, really difficult is uh, is having a dog. Uh, a lot of apartments don't want pets. Uh, and the one, and a lot of the ones that do accept pets charge a large amount of money for for a pet. You know, large additional security deposits, even you know, additional uh, monthly rent cost for a dog. Uh, so that auto, auto, that automatically eliminates like eighty percent of listings that they're not dog friendly. Yeah. Um, or even if they are dog friendly, they're like you know, dogs under fifteen pounds. You know. Mm. Couples, I think, might have a more difficult time sometimes. Yeah, so you know, it was okay. it was it was difficult searching because uh, as soon as I find a place, oh look, it's in a reasonable location, it's reasonably priced. Oh, no dogs. Yeah. So um, you know, we were we were very happy to find the place that we did. Um, it's reasonably priced. You do have to live in East Palo Alto as opposed to Palo Alto, um, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it sounds. 
Finding a re <laughs> after all the long waits and bad prices, I I'd say that's that seems like a real stroke of luck to have have that kind of happen to you. Yeah, I I, I think so. So you know, back to your question from <laughs> several minutes ago, what do I miss? Um, I I like having uh, a being able to go to the oh so so one of the other things with, with the RV uh, to uh, with, with the black tank, you actually try to avoid. Uh, going number two, because mm. going number two accelerates the uh, the rate that the black tank becomes unbearable to live with. Mm. Yeah, uh, you know it smells worse, um, and so one of the challenges of street living is you is finding a place to go to the bathroom. Uh, yeah. And even though we had a bathroom, mm-hmm. we would uh, whenever we go to a store or a restaurant, we would make sure that we utilize the bathroom for for going number two. I mean, just imagine that people just have their cars in this situation. Well, what happens is some of them are are not are are willing to go and find somewhere else to use a bathroom. Some of them aren't. Yeah. They just go outside the car. Yeah. Um, you know, and that that's one of the problems with street living and it's one of the things that we didn't want to do. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of the things that some of the other people we were living with, I think this is kind of what we wanted to talk about is you know, what's it like to live with the other street people? Yeah, I mean, I'm, um, I'm kind of curious. Like, is is there effectively does a community of any sort kind of develop? Do people ever look out for each other, or is it very just everybody's you know out for themselves? Yeah. I mean, because and do you get to know yeah each other and help support help each other? And what what did you hear and learn? Yeah, so you know, uh, I think I think most people uh, that choose this lifestyle or are forced in this lifestyle um, uh, end up being very private. Um. Which I, I don't think is unreasonable to expect. Um, you know, you're just trying to survive. Um, so we had where we parked. We had an RV that would park behind us consistently for a long time, and we didn't really talk to them very much. Actually, the the first time we really talked to them is when we were trying to repark our RV, and my father misjudged. A t- the turning back in, and he actually broke the mirror on their RV. Oh, frick. Right. So, like, the first time we talked to him was like, not good. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, we were, we, we, we bought a replacement mirror. They wanted to, you know, we, re- we would, e- we even offered to uh, actually install the mirror for them. They chose that they wanted to install it instead. Um, but after that, we were, we were friendlier and we would talk sometimes. It was mostly about, Talking about other people that yeah. that were parking near us, um, we you know so we'd be like, oh, you know, I saw this person over in this car. I'm pretty sure they were taking a dump. Yeah, you know, at night over here, and yeah, I've got to, you know, look out for that. We don't want them taking, you know. Is is that about personal inconvenience, or is it about like I hope they don't give a bad name to the or just basically get the police involved to get this all cleared out? Is it- I mean, it's you know we don't we don't want them we don't want people to turn the side of the road into a sewer drain. Yeah. Um. But it was it was we were just con- it was mostly really is concerned that uh they would make the the situation bad enough that that cops would get involved. Yeah, and that we wouldn't be able to 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 park there anymore. Mm-hmm. So outside of informing each other about it, what did was would anybody ever like intervene and say like tap tap tap, you know, clean up this garbage everywhere or how did you ever see people intervene like that? Um I didn't really see it. Uh apparently the the people that were parking behind us wrote a letter to the to the people that were parked in the car that were going to the bathroom outside. Wow. Um and they did leave for a while and then they started coming back. Um, I I did intervene a little bit. There was there was a one there was a Dodge Durango that parked uh, near us for a while, and they would park like uncomfortably close. Like like why would you park this close to somebody close? You know. Yeah. Um, and and they were they were just exceptionally trash ridden. Their their car was full of trash. They and, and wherever they parked, they spread their trash out. It's like they'd open the doors, and a trash would flow out onto the onto onto the side of the road uh not onto the road but like the the there there was a where we were parked had like a a uh, kind of a forested area just like a forested strip between the road and the and the highway wall mm-hmm. and they would, so they would just dump everything out and it just got to be really really bad it was it was the car that every time you walked by it it would smell of urine yeah um it would smell of trash uh 
at one point, uh, I did choose to let local law enforcement know about them. Yeah. Um, at which uh, the next day the police approached them and uh, they uh, they stopped parking there. Oh. Were you there when uh, the police officer came and spoke with them? No. And do you know what, yeah, did you talk with them and... Um, no, no, know about, no. Know. I didn't talk. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, I see. It's it, yeah, really tricky. And uh, there, there was another instance where a really, 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 uh, really poor shape RV was parking nearby, and they were even worse. Like they, they opened the doors and they like turned, they they turned the side of the road into a junkyard. Yeah, it was just you know broken chairs and just totally random stuff. Like yeah. you know, just you know, they they had a hoarding problem. Oh, did and then it affects you and your spot and right. It, it affects everybody yeah, when everybody. somebody looks that bad. Yeah, you know. And uh, I had I didn't have to intervene with them. Uh, the cops after a couple weeks, it, I was surprised at how long it took them. But after a couple weeks, they showed up and they put they put notice. You know, they put tickets, they mm-hmm. put notices on our RV, and they never moved it. And then finally, one day, uh. I don't know what happened. Either the, the the people who owned it weren't there, or they were taken away. But they the police came, they towed the RV, and they oh. literally had oh, to bring God. in. They actually literally had to bring in like a a heavy machinery, like uh uh you know, what um, do you call them? Like oh, yeah. a um, now I'm blinking. I don't know the term. I like yeah. a, they, they, like a scooper. Yeah, a, yeah. a literal a heavy machinery scooper. Sure. You know, cat machine. Yeah. I should know the name of that. Yeah, but I feel bad that I don't. <laughs> yeah. We're all making really good, you We're know, doing miming. Yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, they actually had to bring one of these in, some big heavy machinery to to take all of their trash oh. out. So you know, it's at that point, it's not only does it make every the rest of us look bad. Yeah. And now we're fearing that we're not going to be able to park here. Yeah. But it becomes a public hazard and it becomes a public cost. Cost, Because they they have to bring the cops in. So you have two cruisers here, four cops. They have to bring a tow truck in. They have to bring this heavy machinery in. And then they have to bring in a a dump truck. Yeah. We get the big empty bay in the back just to put all the trash in it. So, you know, that's not... That's not nothing. That's not no cost, you know. It's, it's a. I mean, it sounds like a really tough situation. Like one, because it it does like it sucks that like these people. You know, it's 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 you hate to kick a person when they're down. But then on top of it, yeah, it's really it's really kind of breathing down your neck and making it harder just to you know to, for you to get done and you're doing all the right things, being a good member of the community. But then on top of that, I guess when you're when you're trying to guess have the police. You know, w- w- help you out to that extent. You you technically aren't allowed to be doing what you're doing. So yeah. that that seems really tricky. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're we're trying to, you know, we're just trying to be as good a member of the community as we can be, while not being like technically part of the community. I mean, you know, we would we would clean up trash, uh, we would sweep. Yeah, uh, we actually had trash picker upper you know tools, so we could go around and pick up stuff off the side of the road and. Um, you know, and so we're just trying to be as clean and and non-interruptive as possible. Did you feel that you were a part of the community? How did you How did you feel at that time? And did you were you, did you share any of this with others who you knew or who you worked with? And um, no, the only the only person who knew about it was my best friend. Um, I didn't tell anybody. N- nobody knew about this and. Basically, yeah. you were you were you guys were the first ones I've told about it yeah. outside of my uh, my best friend. Wow! And then the next next being uh, everyone who turns in for, yeah, for the yeah. show. Yeah. Well, what do you think um, would? Yeah, it's just a lot to think about. Um, and like everybody just wants to, to that we have to worry about where to live when from birth we all are going to be living somewhere. Yeah. On just um, yeah. What do you think would help now having experienced? Um, experienced it. What do you think should like? What would help? Um, well, I mean, it's 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 kind of a, a tough question because the answers are really big answers. Go big. That's what the um, show's all about. You know, uh, it's that there's just decades of uh, of underdevelopment uh, in terms of housing in the Bay Area. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I, 
I'm not a huge fan of apartment living. Um, you know, I I want a single family household like it's a not, lot of people do. It's not great to have a dog in a tiny place, obviously. Well, you know, and and you you know, you're living in a building where you're sharing a lot of walls, so sure. you're hearing other people's music, they're hearing your music, you it's know, it's not they're, really yours in a lot of Right, ways, right. Yeah. It's not really yours, right? Yeah. You can't do whatever you want, really. You have to be somewhat conscious of of other people. So, you know, uh, dis- but you know, th- despite that, uh, there, there basically there needs to be uh, uh, apartment housing uh, made available. There, yeah. you know, and it's going to be cheaper rent than than a single family household. So, I don't know. I guess you can call it low income housing, but you know, there just needs to be more places to live. Period. Here in the Bay Area, because even 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 affluent people are having a hard time finding housing. Um, you know, so it's it's just chronic underdevelopment is really, really big problem here in the Bay Area, in my that's, opinion. That's one of the w- most annoying things I hear is people who go out to, like, city council things and they start talking about, like, you know, this isn't right to have people in these tiny apartments. You know, you're you're not housing people. You're warehousing people. And I'm saying it's like, I mean, at least, I mean, there's a big difference when people have that option and... Yeah. You, People are being put in options, which I think they would really rather have, you know, roof over their head. Yeah, there's a lot of silence. Um, there's a lot of silence. Out. I know I hear of different experiences, and just people aren't talking about it. So yeah, yeah. I, I think it's uh, just a lack of options. Yeah, you know, like you're say- like you're you're saying it's uh, oh we don't want to you know make these really little apartments or really or low income housing, but you know having low income housing versus no housing at all. Yeah, is um, is something that uh, I think the Bay Area needs more of variety too. Yeah. There's just yeah, slacking. <laughs> I mean, and I'll just say like yeah, yeah. Well, when I go to city city council and I like hear everyone complaining about development, complaining about how this is going to ruin their neighborhood, I mean, I I tend to hear a lot of voices of people who you know really they're kind of worried about losing like a little bit of traffic congestion losing you know kind of you know maybe the views will change but you don't tend i mean i've never heard anyone say i live in an rv and i really want a place please build more places i don't know i feel like it's it's relatively rare i mean do you did you know any political activists among your community or is everyone just Kind of just no, living. I think everybody's just trying to survive. Really, yeah. uh, you know, they're yeah. they're trying to uh, get some sleep at night. Yeah, and most of I think I think most of the people uh, that were living in RVs uh, uh, have jobs. Yeah, um, even if low level jobs. Um, I do. You know, some of the people that were living around us, I I think definitely didn't have jobs. They were probably living off of uh, some type of welfare or injury. You know, a uh, 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 settlement of some kind or something. But I wonder how uh, that works when you have a permanent residence. How you? I guess if you have a PO box, is that enough? I have a PO box. Yeah, mm. PO box is uh, how I got my mail. Wow. Yeah, all these. And like, how I signed up for things. Wow, the <laughs> logistics too. It's like, um, if, wait, if you're working or even not, just maneuvering through all of that. That's time consuming and. Yeah. Um, yeah, person is limited um, with their time and their energy and having to figure all that out too so yeah, for you have sure. to get involved with um like the local you know cities to try to be ha- part of a solution or present like yeah yeah, yeah. Di- that would be really difficult i mean housing is politicized and i mean yeah and it it is i think an unfortunate truth that it is largely the voice of people who are retired busybodies are you know yeah, they have all the time in the world to spend six hours yeah. on, on a Monday night. Exactly. And, and people actually work for a living, and especially people who it's it sounds like it's like a full-time job to just kind of take care of this. Like, you, you get done your job, and then you have to do all this kind of maintenance. Just on Oh, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, one of the things I most appreciate about the place we have, and the place we have is not large. You know, it's just, it's a place. Yeah. And it has two bedrooms. It has a kitchen. Uh, and it has a backyard for my dog to run around in, and yeah. that makes me happy. And in the garage, we have a laundry, uh, a uh, washing machine, and a dryer, yeah. and that makes me happy. That's nice um, because you know one of the one of the biggest inconveniences of not just how we were living, but a, a lot of apartment living is uh, the uh, you don't have a washer and a dryer in your residence, so you have to either go downstairs to the shared laundromat or you have to go outside to a laundromat. 
and man those are miserable hours that's another thing it's like to wait you can't multitask when you're there's yeah all these little (laughs) things really eat up time and it just reminds me too of if there's so much single family housing there people are um living sharing like it's like um i've read experiences like um people living like they're in a like a frat house or yeah oh yeah totally multi-generation families but then that's not really respected in the united states and looked down upon and so um sometimes so Yeah. yeah it's really it's difficult because i think people can't have there's like um a lack of being able to be proud and happy and relaxed about just everyday life and living situation here yeah it's stressful yeah there's definitely there's definitely a a kind of i guess i'll call it the shame factor yeah um you know i i didn't tell people that that's how i was living um and some of it is shame some of it is just that it's just not does this person need to know that do i need to share this detail of my life do they they need to worry about that and you know so um but, you know, like you said, there's uh, another problem in East Palo Alto right now is, yes, there's more apartment complexes in Palo Alto and East Palo Alto than there are in Palo Alto. But there are no parking garages. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. It's all surface level parking. And, so, and, and the transit is not great there. No. Uh, I, I can't really speak to that because uh, I take Caltrain to work every morning <laughs> or I ride my bike to Caltrain. Well, that's a bit of evidence that it's not... I mean, that, well, I guess you are using the transit, yeah, but you, you have to do... A, how how long is your bike ride? Yeah, about uh, almost two miles. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's not too bad. Except when it's raining. I had to ride in the rain the other day. Not fun. Sure. But uh, anyway, uh, in our little... We're in some small... Uh, houses, and in our little housing complex, there's another house across from us, and there has to be. So right now, it's just me and my father living in our house, and their house is the exact same size, exact same configuration. There has to be at least eight people living in that house. Yeah. Um. So you know that that's a that's another huge problem in the Bay Area that that housing is so expensive that you have uh, these small units that are built for a family of two to four mm-hmm. are now supporting twice that number of people because they're sharing the cost of that apartment. And then not only do you have these cramped living spaces, but that means that there are, you know, this this family has four cars now. Wow, yeah. And this tiny, this tiny little place is responsible for four car spots outside. And like I said, it's all surface-level parking. So there's just a huge competition for parking in this little neighborhood. And, and luckily this little place we found has guaranteed at least two car parking yeah for our for our little unit but you know it's it's just the competition for parking is ridiculous and if you drove down in that neighborhood you'll you'll be amazed at the number of cars that they squeezed in so here's a bit of a random question i mean based on your experience do you think that cities should make it legal to live on the side of of certain roads if you actually keep up you know, like basically cleanliness standards, or do you think that it is, you know, basically reasonable that they say, you know, oh, sorry, we don't have enough, enough RV parks, we don't have enough housing, but it's not our problem? It's a really tricky question, yeah. um, you know, because what does a community's answer entail? If if the answer is we're going to build a lot more housing, that's a, that's a huge, huge cost. Um. So usually what ends up happening in the communities is they try to find a way to push these homeless people outside of their neighborhood. Um, <laughs> out of sight, out of mind. Right. Uh, so, you know, you have this, you have just this shuffle of homeless populations between cities. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the homeless people arrive, they trickle in, they deal with it for a while, it gets really bad, and then the city pushes them all out. <laughs> and then they go to another city, they trickle in, they gather up, it becomes a problem, they push them all out. And it's, and it's just a shuffle. It's, yeah. it's a really a waste of human energy. <laughs> and this is, this doesn't have to be. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the the other thing, um, the other thing that makes this uh, a tricky question is that uh, some of these uh, homeless and vagrant people, they choose to live this way. It's the way they want to live. Um, you know, so when you talk about social services, shelters, medical care, you know, food, clothing, uh, a lot of that uh, is 
just ends up being not not used. Is this because they feel more independent and they have like a flexible way of living? Yeah, or, it's just yeah. it's just a uh, uh, I don't you know I don't have to I don't have responsibilities. Hmm. I don't care. I wonder. I don't if, have to pay taxes. I wonder if it's um, a response to previous experiences, like a way of coping with. I, I'm yeah. Would be curious to hear. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 no one answer why 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 somebody chooses to live that way. It could be that they had a really bad experience with social services, so they chose yeah. not to participate in that stuff. You know, maybe uh, they tried once and they were treated really poorly by a social worker or maybe by law enforcement, and then they just decided I don't want to participate in that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's it's that's why cities who you know cities that do have these services often they end up scaling back the services because they're not being utilized as much as they were hoping yeah um you know so it's 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 a it's a tricky question as to whether to make it legal um i i don't know i don't know it's a a tough question do you do you really do you want to encourage people to live that way or do you want to try to encourage them to live uh by more standard means and you know, by by not legalizing it, you are actively encouraging people to get up off their feet and do something. You know, it's 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 the American <laughs> way, right, of of self determination. Like, but, you know, but you talk. I mean, this is like I feel it's it really can be lost in people in this community how weird it is. Like a couple decades ago, the idea that you could have two adults working. And they, you know, it's kind of a social con. Like you, it's like, oh yeah, if you go out and you work, you're going to have a place. And like now, people can still work and still not have a place to live, and that's yeah. weird. Yeah, that that is, you know, basically what I what I wanted to get into. That you know, maybe back, maybe even thirty years ago, that was more of a possibility that you could work your way up. Get a into, job at McDonald's. Right. You get a place. In a, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You can get a job at McDonald's. You can hold down a part-time job and then mm-hmm. and live somewhere. I, yeah. And yeah. and that's just not possible here in the Bay Area. I feel like now I think the other uh, older generations maybe are a little bit more aware of this because I've I felt that too because I'm from this area also. Um, how there's this misunderstanding, kind of like oh well. Is like assuming that it was still the same as it was for them, and it's like no, it's not. Like yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's you know that 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 upward progression is not is nowhere near as easy as it used to be, um, and you know especially in high cost areas like uh, of the world like the Bay Area. Yeah. Um, you know that is one of the misunderstandings that you'll see these really really poor and trashy looking sides of the road where it's just a bunch of really, you know, bad shape RVs and cars and stuff. And a lot of those people, the majority of them, I'm willing to say the majority of them are working. Yeah. You know, some of them are working too hard, you know, yeah. people with multiple part-time jobs, you know, where they're, they're, they might be working, you know, 60 hours a week, but neither of them a full-time job. Right. Mm-hmm. And then without health benefits. Yeah. And, so yeah, I've, I've, I've met and known yeah. a lot of people who've. And, and I think it's. that. Yeah, I mean, and I, I think it's part of this. The, the, I guess the fact that people, I think there is like a, a stigma that silences people about who kind of have this, you know, you know, position right now, is that you know people can talk about people deserve you know stability in housing and people don't deserve displacement, and I mean I think that's a it's a great thing to aim for. People should never feel like they have a house and lose it. But I mean, you give people you know Prop Thirteen keeps homeowners in their house, rent control. You know, it's hard to get it, but it keeps people. In it, but there's a lot of people who are outside looking in, and giving stability isn't going to give those people a place. They're still going to, you know, unless you get a place in the first place, stability, basically locking you in, isn't enough. I would add another thing is that I think we have a design problem because we have single family homes on these lots, and then we have these small, we just, there isn't enough variety, and I think. What is happening yet is that you have people using the space differently than what it was designed for, and it's not very um, pleasant, and it doesn't really work. So um, I want to see what other um, possibilities there are, because now we have, um, there are a lot of single-family homes that are occupied by maybe one or two people, like retirees, huge houses, yeah. others that were groups living in yeah like smaller apartments or houses that were never they weren't designed for like f- five adults to share and um it just i feel like we are adjusting to these units 
when it, it should be the other way around. We <laughs> should be designing what fits our needs. So, but with all the limitations from, um, um, it's tough to get from here yeah, to there. Po- yeah. Policy and yeah. permits or yeah, people so, don't want change. Yeah, and now that these um, places have are built, we don't have a lot of new spaces that and um, yeah, for whatever reason, it new designs aren't really accommodating so, yeah. actual needs. Here's a question for you: uh, Is yeah, you, know, you were talking about you bike to Caltrain, and it's hard to find parking. Would you, if you had a place that was near near Caltrain, you and your dad, and it was cheaper, but you would you know basically be living without your cars? Would you consider that, or do you feel like the Bay Area without a car, even if it was, you're able to get to you know Caltrain to your job or stuff, or do you feel like the the Bay Area isn't ready for that? Um, in terms of public transit, the Bay Area is not where it could be. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's you know, definitely true. Um, BART moving down to San Jose will be a big help. Mm. Um, but, you know, that system needs to extend around the entire Bay yeah. um, for BART to really work. Um, Without regionalism, it's really... I mean, yeah. I mean, right now, you not- if you were trying to get from Redwood City to San Jose, you would... You could take Caltrain or you could hop on a San Mateo County bus, transfer to a VTA bus, um, you know. And they'll take different forms of payment, too. Yeah, so it's it's not easy. It's um, going to be, I mean, compared to a, a to car ride, it's going to be pretty expensive and pretty inconvenient. Yeah, yeah. I, I personally, we, me and my dad could probably get away with having just one car instead of two, um, but... Uh, well, we have two, and we like to drive, and the Bay Area is big enough and not connected enough that, you know, yeah. to, to do the full scope of things that you can do in the Bay Area, you have to be able to drive. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so. So, yeah, uh, yeah I think I think we're, we're closing in on an hour here. Uh, yeah, I guess any, any, any final More thoughts? thoughts? <laughs> as yeah. far as anything you feel like, yeah, we didn't, we didn't uh, touch on or anything you want to kind of put a final, you know, point on before you close up? Well, um, as bad as bad as the housing issue is in the Bay Area, I, I think unfortunately the the more important, more pressing issue is probably healthcare, mm. uh, especially for lower income populations. Um, I can give you an example of why of one way the system isn't working right now. Um, I am I am working in San Francisco, but it's only a part time job, so I have no you know health benefits of any kind. So to take care of that yourself and so added. what I'm doing right now is I'm part of Medi-Cal mm. uh, because I right now I'm under the the yearly mm. income threshold to take part in Medi-Cal. So right now I have excellent health care benefits, actually health coverage, um, and it's basically free. Is that because if you don't use? I don't know. Isn't it? Is there a long wait list sometimes, or tricky? Oh. Well, no. What, what's what would you do to lose that? If I made more money, I would lose. How, how much more? Like how close are you to the I'm margin? I'm very close. I'm very yeah. close. Uh, I think. I think the. I think it's around like thirteen thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, disincentive because right. You so would it's a work disincentive. More. Right. I would work more. I'm willing to work more. I have yeah. the uh, uh, work ethic and talent to work more. <laughs> Um, but I don't because yeah. I'm trying to keep and you know right. I really need this healthcare. I'm not you know I'm not the healthiest person in the world. I have some ongoing medical issues. Yeah, you know, and so I ba- I just can't afford to not be on this healthcare. That's one more fun perversion well, American dream. It's, exactly. Yeah. So you know, so there needs to be universal healthcare. There there just does. It'll yeah. it'll be a huge relief to everybody and especially low income communities. They'll be able to work and be productive without having to worry about health care costs. Um, you know, so they not having to worry about health care, they could potentially afford a better place. Yeah. You know, so in in kind of a roundabout way, one of the biggest solutions to the health care crisis for low income communities is better health care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think preventative care saves so much. In, the, in anyway, I I wonder, I don't know the numbers of like, yeah, how 
yeah. I mean, you just look at American healthcare. We pay we pay a lot for it, and <laughs> we don't. I mean, this and, is and this our is op- and our average lifespan is dropping every yeah. year. So and this is opening a whole can of worms that is just way too big to fit in this. That's you know, why I saved it for last. Yes. Very so we can be like next time. So yeah, I think uh, yeah. chew on. Well, good good that you're volunteering and you're busy with so much too. But it's too bad you sh- yeah to, if you could get paid more yeah um, I gotta just yeah I feel it's yeah I mean, I'm really really thankful because I feel like so many people you know don't tell their story yeah. unless they're kind of like living their life they're supposed to which is a single family right. home you know picket fence and this well it's it, like Facebook right everybody <laughs> yeah. posts only the positive real. stuff on Facebook and yeah, and I just really hope, I mean, my dream is that more people who actually have something, if they actually have the picket fence, they say like, okay, when I'm looking at do we need more housing, maybe I should look at these people who aren't speaking tonight, but I know they're having a hard time of it, rather than worry about the fact that I'll have to, you know, look at a two-story house down the street or something. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks a bunch. We're talking to Chris P. Chris P., you can listen to on KZSU every Monday afternoon. Uh, yeah, give, give a small yeah, plug. viewer discretion advised, 3 to 6 p.m., a comedy and political talk show. Yeah, and speaking of politics, right afterwards, Policy Council. <laughs> the second most exciting show on KZSU. 6 to midnight every every Monday here at KZSU. <laughs> thanks to uh, Darlene Franklin of, of KZSU News to coming by. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it it's been a Okay, you news hour. <laughs> yeah, give you a plug to that. Um, Fridays, 5 to 6 p.m. this quarter, and I'm hosting. Um, probably we turn back to our news director next quarter, so it's really great to feature stories and um, let others know what's happening. Sounds great. Yeah, thanks a bunch for everybody coming by. Yeah, um, thank you. This is the Henry George Program. You can find previous episodes at seethecat.org, where there is... The ability to subscribe to the podcast feed and all that. And one final important note. Uh, the uh, piece of heavy equipment called a front loader. This is a presentation of KCSU Stanford. Stanford.